0: The mysterious Buru is a dino-like creature from the swamps of India's Assam region. In 1947, three men set out to capture the beast, but were surprised by what they discovered. If you enjoy these two episodes on the Buru and want to hear more stories like it, follow Unexplained Mysteries free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It was a cold winter's night in 1947 when 37-year-old Rafe Izzard first heard of the creature he would come to know as the Buru.
1: Izard, a foreign correspondent for the Daily Mail, had been stationed in Delhi, India, for over a year. On this night, he was visiting his friend APF Hamilton, a member of the Indian Forestry Service. The two men happily traded war stories over a snifter of brandy.
0: The men shared an adventurous spirit. Izard had spent much of his life chasing frontline stories as a war correspondent, and Hamilton worked for years in the interior of India's vast forests.
1: Taking a puff of his cigar, Izard lamented to his friend, there's nothing left to discover anymore.
0: Hamilton disagreed. There were still blank spaces on the map. In fact, He'd heard about a zoologist, Charles Stoner, who found a mysterious lost valley in the jungle-covered mountains of Assam at the easternmost edge of India.
1: Sensing Izard's excitement, Hamilton continued, The valley was said to be like something out of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's The Lost World. There were reports of ancient animal bones buried in the mud and an obscure reptile with a long snout, fangs, and tusks called
0: the buru before he even left Hamilton's house izard was already formulating a letter to dr stoner from a single conversation in the warmth of the bungalow a fire had been lit inside izard
1: he could only imagine the glory that awaited him if he discovered a new species somehow some way he would find the mysterious beast or He would die trying.
0: Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a ParCast original. I'm your host, Molly.
1: And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth, You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Unexplained Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar.
0: At ParCast, we are grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network.
1: And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening.
0: It really does help. This is our first episode on the hunt for the Buru. In 1948... Journalist Rafe Izard, zoologist Charles Stoner, and cameraman Frank Hodgkinson set out on an expedition to find and classify these mysterious giant reptiles.
1: This week, we'll follow Izard, Stoner, and Hodgkinson on their journey into the jungles of India to find the mysterious beast
0: next week we'll dive deeper into what the expedition found as well as the theories surrounding the true nature of the buru
1: the story of the buru does not start with raif izard's letter to charles stoner instead it starts in 1945 when stoner first ventured into a remote region of assam
0: the territory is situated at the far northeastern edge of india bordered to the north by the Himalayan mountains and consisting of the Brahmaputra River Valley.
1: The jungle and hill valleys were populated mainly by members of the Dafla nomadic peoples, as well as other scattered permanent tribes. These areas, though part of Assam in Izard's time, are now situated in the state of Arunachal Pradesh.
0: Oftentimes, emphasis is placed on white Europeans discovering distant lands unique cultures, and new creatures. These narratives can treat the people that already live in these places as curiosities or less than, because they weren't Europeans.
1: Much the way Columbus didn't discover the Americas, so much as stumble upon a land other people were already living on, we'd like to point out that Stoner wasn't actually the first person to venture into this area of Assam.
0: In November of 1945, after hearing rumors of a giant reptile, Charles Stoner hiked into the jungle to interview the Apatani. These were the indigenous people of Zero Valley who'd claimed to see the Buru.
1: While other explorers dismissed the tales as a local legend or a catch-all term for a swamp animal, Stoner believed that the Apatani were referring to a real native creature. Through an interpreter, the village leader related the oral tradition of the buru to him.
0: When the Apatani first came to Zero Valley generations before, it was filled with a large marshy lake.
1: In the deepest pools of the swamp lived aquatic reptilian animals, which the Apatani called the buru.
0: As Stoner reported, the Apatani people often measured things using parts of their own bodies, other objects and pantomime. Therefore, the measurements he recorded are rough, but the Apatani estimated the buru to be anywhere from 9 feet to almost 14 feet long.
1: The creature, they said, had a head with a long snout about 1.5 feet long. The majority of its teeth were flat like human molars, but it also possessed a pair of sharp fangs in the upper and lower jaw.
0: The buru had a three-feet-long neck, which could extend and retract rapidly. Its body was cylindrical and so thick that a man could only just wrap his arms around it. It had a five-foot-long, snake-like tail.
1: It had scales like a fish, which were splotchy and varied in color, from black and brown to green and navy.
0: The Apatani leader used leaves and sticks from a nearby tree to mimic a series of fringed lobes along the animal's back and tail. He curled his fingers and gesticulated, indicating that the buru had small legs and feet meant for burrowing, like those of a mole.
1: During his months traveling around Zero Valley in 1945, Stoner took great care not to ask leading questions about the buru, mention any descriptive factors himself, or in any other way influence the Apatani's answers.
0: Dozens of people were interviewed, and they all told the same story. Beyond its physical appearance, the Apatani all agreed that the Buru lived in the depths of the swamp, at least as deep as a man was tall.
1: The Buru had a loud, hoarse, bellowing call that sounded across the swamplands. The Apatani reported that the Buru didn't eat fish or frogs, but actually lived off the mud itself, digging in the
0: banks of the pools. While Burus were supposedly peaceful herbivores, the Apatani still shared a cultural memory of them being a threat. One respected Elder Apatani, a man named Tamar, told a story of a Buru hurting a human.
1: One day, many years before, A nomadic Dafla man came upon a juvenile Buru. He killed it, slashing it with his spear.
0: The young Buru's mother, enraged, stalked the man back to his family's house on the edge of the swamp. Without warning, she whipped her tail out of the water, wrapped it around the Dafla man, and dragged him deep into the quagmire. Then, she attacked the wooden supports of the house with her tail, pulling it down into the water as well.
1: Perhaps this persistent anecdote is why the indigenous tribes eventually wiped out the Burus.
0: When the Apatani first arrived in Zero Valley generations before, they claimed to have drained the swamp covering the valley floor. They widened the river passing through the valley, allowing the ground to become more solid and suitable for rice paddies.
1: As the swamp shrank, so too did the Burus' habitat. The animals became trapped in small pools, and the ancient Apatani buried them alive.
0: One Apatani leader told Stoner how the Burus wiggled their heads around on their long necks, looking desperately for an escape as the Apatani piled mud on top of them.
1: In and around Zero Valley, Stoner was shown four separate burial mounds, beneath which laid the bones of the buru. It was all that remained of the creature, extinct there for years.
0: But the Apatani claimed it still lived in another region. In a valley known at the time as Rilo Valley, roughly 50 miles to the west, nomadic daflas had reported great reptiles that lived in the swamps.
1: It was this report that reached 37-year-old Rafe Izard and spurred him to write a letter to Stoner about an expedition to find a living Buru.
0: It was hardly a day before Stoner's reply came by airmail. Stoner asked Izzard to start making preparations.
1: In just a few short months, the two would be heading into the unexplored jungle to find the mysterious swamp monster.
0: Next, we'll follow the duo's journey into the wild interior of Assam. Now, back to the story. In
1: 1945, zoologist Charles Stoner traveled to Zero Valley in Assam, India to interview the local Apatani people about a giant reptile called the Buru. According to the Apatani, the Burus had lived in deep swamps until they were hunted to extinction generations before. However, the creatures still lived in Rilo Valley, 50 miles away.
0: Stoner journeyed to Rilo Valley in February of 1947. When he arrived, he found that the valley, almost 2,000 feet above sea level, covered about three square miles. At one end was a marshy area that eventually turned into a small swamp.
1: At the other end was a village of Dafla's. As we've mentioned, the Daflas are a nomadic people that have settlements scattered all across Assam. The Daflas that lived in Rilo Valley had been there for approximately a decade when Stoner visited in 1947.
0: The rainy season in the valley lasts from May until August or September. During these months, great monsoons lash the jungle and saturate a whole section of the country.
1: The winter months, from October through March, are the dry season, in which the water retreats back to normal levels. The buru was said to hibernate in the mud during the winter drought and live in the deep water that filled the marshland during the summer rains.
0: When asked, the Daflas recognized the term buru and told stoner about large reptilian animals that lived in the swamp. They described large reptiles that lived in pools and surfaced in sunny weather during the rainy season. In size, the burus were comparable to a matoon, the domestic bison the dothless kept near the village.
1: Stoner felt this was a pivotal moment in his search. Here, 50 miles away from the Apatani in Zero Valley, the dothless had seen a beast matching the description of the buru, and they also used the same word as the Apatani to describe it.
0: Even more amazing, the two tribes weren't related. They didn't share any language, religion, or traditions. To the Apatani, the Buru was a cultural memory of a real but extinct animal. To the Daflas, the creature was a living, breathing thing that they encountered regularly. With each
1: letter stoner sent to Izard, he became more and more sure The buru was real, and they were going to find it."
0: Both Charles Stoner and Rafe Izzard felt they were qualified to lead the hunt for the storied creature.
1: Stoner was a respected zoologist and ethnologist. He had spent time studying and interviewing members of remote tribes in India, Nepal, and Tibet, and learning about their culture. He was the man to explore this area of the world.
0: During World War II, Izard had joined the Royal Navy and served in intelligence under Ian Fleming, author of the James Bond novels. In fact, Izard is rumored to be a partial inspiration for Bond. A poker game Izard played with two undercover Nazi agents is often cited as an inspiration for Casino Royale.
1: After his service ended, Izard stayed in the area as a war correspondent for the Daily Mail. He was the man on the ground in Berlin and Prague at the end of World War II. After the war, he served as a foreign correspondent, covering political issues in Washington, D.C., Cairo, and Delhi.
0: With this combined pedigree, the pair formed a hunting party in 1948. Stoner decided that the best time to look for the Buru was during the monsoon season, which lasted from April through September.
1: They planned to hike up to the valley before the rains came and then capture a buru when the swamp flooded. It was a delicate schedule. If they spent too long waiting for the buru, the channels in and out of the valley could
0: become flooded. If that happened, the hunting party would be stranded in Rilo Valley until the dry season began in October.
1: Stoner and 37-year-old Izard planned to launch their expedition on April 1st, 1948. They would start in Shillong, the capital of Assam.
0: There was a lot of work to do before the expedition and not much time to do it in. A few weeks before the launch, Rafe Izard made two significant contributions to the trip.
1: He convinced his editors at the Daily Mail to fund the entire endeavor. He sent them a letter praising Stoner's genius, tempting them with the thought of breaking the story of their own reporter's amazing zoological discovery.
0: As far as the Daily Mail was concerned, any subject Izzard wanted to chase was worth funding. They happily agreed to cover his expenses.
1: The second contribution happened entirely by accident. He ran into photographer and cameraman Frank Hodgkinson, he documented multiple expeditions across Asia with groups of scientists and explorers.
0: When he explained the nature of his expedition, Hodgkinson all but fell over himself to sign up. A harsh track through deep, leech-infested jungles sounded exciting to him.
1: The team was complete, the supplies were arranged, and it sounded like everything was set. But nothing ever goes exactly as planned.
0: On March 21, 1948, just over a week before they were set to leave, 37-year-old Rafe Izzard fell off his horse. He broke his collarbone and several ribs and was stuck in a full torso cast.
1: He quickly wired Stoner, telling him what had happened and begging him to hold off for just a few days. But Stoner couldn't. He'd received a new weather report. The first of the summer storms would arrive just after April 1st. They had to keep to the schedule.
0: Stoner's response telegram read, Have no, repeat, no sympathy.
1: He was a bit superstitious about changing plans at the last minute. In a follow-up message, he explained, The auspicious date must not be abandoned.
0: A new plan was set. Stoner would leave Shillong on April 1st, as planned, and Izard would meet up with the expedition three days later in Lokra, a small village in northern Assam at the edge of the Brahmaputra River.
1: After a few days' rest and a journey by plane, river ferry, and train, Izard and Frank Hodgkinson joined Stoner at last. Izard was still wearing his body cast when they reunited.
0: On April 4th, Izzard, Hodgkinson, and Stoner set out into the jungle some 15 miles north of Locra, to hunt the Buru.
1: The group of three Europeans carrying enough supplies for three months were joined by 120 hired porters. Many of them were indigenous and also acted as interpreters.
0: As the long, snaking body of the expedition passed indigenous farms at the edge of the jungle, the farmers wondered aloud about the European sanity. They told Izzard, to go into the jungle in the rainy season is madness.
1: But their warnings weren't enough to dampen the explorers' spirits. As they made progress into the jungle, morale was extremely high. The team marveled at rare orchids, impossibly tall trees, and colorful birds that swooped through the canopy.
0: Even as violent storms drenched their tents at night, 37-year-old Izzard regaled Stoner with stories about the wonders that awaited them in the Lost Valley.
1: They were so sure of their success, they were half-jokingly discussing plans to patent a buru toy for children.
0: Stoner was already planning their next expedition into Assam. He declared that after they found the Buru, they'd come back to the jungle to find a shadow that had haunted it for years, the rare black tiger.
1: The adventurers' moods only grew more buoyant at their first scheduled stop just a few days after setting out from Locra.
0: After cutting a course through the jungle and crossing the Pake River, the Buru expedition reached the Dafla village of Linko.
1: Here, Stoner questioned the village elders about the Buru. He returned to camp with wonderful news.
0: Apparently, the rain had started early, and the Rilo Valley swamp was already flooded. On a number of sunny days, Burus had been sighted reaching the water's surface.
1: With this news in hand, the expedition journeyed forth over some of the most difficult terrain they had yet to face.
0: Between Lenko and Rilo Valley were a series of mountain ridges ranging from 2,000 to 6,000 feet tall. As the group climbed, the jungle changed.
1: Instead of the bright, populated forest of the lower elevation, the wooded ridges were dark, silent, and miserable. Heavy rains made the path slick and slimy, making it hard for the group to
0: make real headway. The sun was blocked out by the thick canopy, so much so that it seemed nothing lived on the ground or in the brush. The only exceptions were the leeches that crawled in between their toes.
1: Worse, the expedition was bombarded by blood-sucking flies. Their bites quickly turned into huge red blisters, and Izard discovered that he was allergic to the pests. He eventually collapsed in shock, halting the entire expedition until he was able to recover.
0: In his book, Izard referred to this as the most strenuous day of his life, even when compared to his time as a war correspondent in the thick of World War II. However,
1: even at this stage of the journey, spirits remained high. As Izzard recovered in camp, Stoner excitedly rattled off theories about the Buru. It was an enormous newt, a salamander. It could even be a living
0: dinosaur. Two days after he collapsed, Izard recovered enough to continue the track. Almost two weeks after they set out from Shillong, the hunting party came to the last remaining mountain before Relo Valley.
1: As Izard, Stoner, and Hodgkinson crested the very last ridge, it was as if they had stumbled into paradise. Below them was a beautiful, dramatic bowl valley filled with tall elephant grass and thickets of bamboo. At one end, smoke rose from the Rilo Valley Dafla village.
0: At the other, they could just see the glimmer of water in the swamp where the buru lay in wait.
1: Coming up, Stoner and Izzard attempt to capture a buru. Now, back to our story.
0: In April of 1948, zoologist Charles Stoner, journalist Rafe Izzard and photographer Frank Hodgkinson led an expedition deep into the jungles of Assam to find the mysterious Buru. When they reached Rilo Valley two weeks later, they were certain it would be easy to capture the creature but all was not what it seemed.
1: Soon after arriving, the three men met with the leaders of the valley's Dafla village. They exchanged gifts, Stoner and Izzard trading rum and rice for the Dafla's home-brewed
0: beer. Anxious to get to their objective, Stoner asked the natives about the Burus. The Dafla leader, Dodum, brought them to a promontory overlooking the swamp where the Burus lived.
1: The view was disappointing. Stoner was told at Lenko that Rilo Valley was already flooded from the summer rains. In actuality, the swamp was practically dry.
0: The shallow, muddy marshland had two small pools about 700 yards apart. Heavy rain would connect them into a deeper lake, but there wasn't nearly enough standing water yet.
1: Peering through his telescopic lens, Stoner saw high water marks were on the ridges surrounding the swamp. Based on this, he determined that, when flooded, the swamp was deep enough to provide the desired habitat for the Buru.
0: Suddenly, Stoner gave a shout. There, in one of the ponds, he saw something large and shadowy moving near the surface. Could it be the Burus were already awake? Was the water already deep enough?
1: They resolved to cross the mire and see for themselves.
0: First, they considered floating out in one of the portable rubber boats they'd brought for fording rivers. But Izard quickly vetoed the idea. He reasoned that they didn't truly know the nature of the Buru. What if the boat deflated or sank, stranding them in the deep water with a swamp monster? Instead,
1: they'd try to hike out atop the thick floating vegetation that surrounded the pools. The next morning, Stoner, Izard, and Hodgkinson led a small crew of indigenous porters down to the edge of the marsh. They began tamping down the grass and vegetation in the water, trying to compress it enough to hold their
0: weight. Slowly but surely, they inched into the mire.
1: Amazingly, the mat they made of grass and algae held. They drew closer and closer to the pool where the Buru undoubtedly lived.
0: A shout came from the front of the column. Just on the edge of the marsh pond, Stoner saw something in the grass. There was a line of heavy footprints from some kind of four-legged animal.
1: Stoner surged forward, but finally the weight of the hunting party was too much. The mat split. Izard, Stoner, Hodgkinson, and the porters were unceremoniously dumped into the watery muck
0: they were dealt an even greater blow on the retreat along the edge of the mire they saw identical tracks to those they'd seen by the pool as stoner drew closer he realized the truth the tracks were those of a large barasinga or swamp
1: deer disheartened the hunting party soaked to the skin in muddy water tromped back to their camp the marsh was impossible to cross
0: there was only one thing to do, wait for the rains to fill it.
1: As April turned into May and the storms increased, Charles Stoner, Rafe Izard, and Frank Hodgkinson fell into a familiar rhythm. Each day, one of the three would lead a small group of porters to a promontory they dubbed Lookout Hill to keep watch over the swamp. If there was any sign of a possible buru, they would alert the group.
0: The others passed the time in whatever ways they could devise to alleviate their boredom. They often went to the Dafla village and traded supplies and trinkets for beer and artifacts.
1: They collected strange varieties of insects and plants to send to the Royal Society for analysis.
0: But as the rainy season progressed, monsoons struck the valley almost nightly. The ground became permanently sodden and slick, Mosquitoes and flies were relentless, leading to a small outbreak of malaria in the camp.
1: The moisture even got into the camera, putting Hodgkinson's film in danger. Their only choice was to store the camera on a shelf above the cooking fire to ensure it stayed dry.
0: After weeks of watching and waiting, a small group of daflas came into camp. They claimed to have seen a buru the day before.
1: But Stoner wasn't so sure. He'd been on lookout duty the day before, and he remembered seeing a shadow in one of the pools. He'd focused on it with his telescope, only to realize it was just an irregularity in the water's surface.
0: He confronted the Dauflas with this. Did the Dauflas see a buru, or did they just see the shadow?
1: The answer was devastating. The Dauflas admitted they only saw the shadow.
0: It was a hard pill for the explorers to swallow after camping in miserable conditions in Rilo Valley for weeks and trekking through the jungle through dangerously slick trails, avoiding snakes and tigers. Could it be that the beast, so many of the village Dothlas had claimed to see, wasn't real?
1: With this new revelation, every story of the Buru came into question. Had the Daflas just attributed any shadows or disturbances in the swamp to a made-up lizard creature?
0: But the party was not to be deterred. Izzard wrote, I may remind you that we were not just three romantics. We were a soldier, a journalist, and a scientist, all hard-bitten. And of the three of us, the most skeptical all along had been the scientist, ever searching for some argument to disprove his own evidence, yet carried onwards in spite of himself. We believed because the weight of the evidence left so little room for doubt. Nor have we yet finished with the Buru, not by any means.
1: The Buru expedition had to make a decision. They only had enough food to last through June. By that time, the rain would be so heavy it would be impossible to leave the valley. They would be trapped until August or September, forced to trade with the Daflas and survive on starvation rations. Would they stay in the hopes that there was something to the Buru story, or leave in defeat?
0: They decided to try one last time. As a last-ditch effort, they built two bamboo ladders and planned to float them deep into the swamp, as close to the Buru pools as possible.
1: As Stoner, Izzard, and Hodgkinson approached the edge of the marshy land, it was clear that the rains had greatly affected the area. This time, when they clambered on top of the floating vegetation, they sunk down much deeper than they had during their first attempt just a few weeks earlier.
0: In some places, they sank as deep as a foot, The bamboo ladders, which they hoped to use as floating platforms, soon proved too heavy to maneuver in the swamp.
1: Desperate to reach the Buru Pools, Stoner, Hodgkinson, and Izzard moved as quickly as they could while bogged down in the water.
0: Amazingly, the floating carpet of vegetation held under them, even as they inched closer to the basin's edge.
1: Finally, after weeks of trying, they reached the Buru Pool.
0: It was worse than they'd feared.
1: Now that they were on the edge, they could see the truth it hid from the shore. Both ponds filled with silt and mud could not have been any more than three feet deep. There was no way they could have missed anything as large as a buru from the shore.
0: They hadn't seen any burus because there weren't any to see. A storm
1: broke over the group as they floundered back to shore. The dejected men marched slowly, each step sinking down into the mud.
0: Back at camp, Hodgkinson, Stoner, and Izzard sat around a fire, trying to dry their clothes and prepare themselves for the horrible trek home. As Izzard pried leeches from his legs, the explorers passed around a bottle of brandy. They'd affectionately dubbed it the Buru Bottle, planning to open it in celebration of finding the accursed lizard.
1: They had been so sure of themselves and so very wrong.
0: As the next few days devolved into a blur of packing and bartering for supplies, Stoner, Izzard, and Hodgkinson debated the truth of the Buru story.
1: They decided that they still had to have hope. In his account, Izard asserted that the Buru must have been a real creature. The ones in Zero Valley were killed by the Apatani long ago, but the ones at Rilo Valley may have only recently died out or migrated.
0: The daflas settled in Rilo Valley only a decade earlier, in 1937 or 1938. When they'd first arrived, the valley was filled by a great swamp.
1: Izard asserted that the Burus must have been spotted in the marsh then. As the years passed and the Dafflas drained more and more of the area for farmland, the Burus died or left the valley due to the loss of their habitat.
0: There were no more Burus in Rilo Valley, but there could be some left somewhere in Assam. As they left the mountains... Izzard mused about coming back to the jungle on another track and finally finding the elusive creature.
1: In his book, he wrote, As we turned from the swamp for the last time, all of us glanced back over our shoulders. It was an irresistible action, a billion to one chance that the last few seconds of our vigil would bring success. But it was not to be. For us, the Buru was dead.
0: But was this really the truth?
1: Little did the men know, word of their expedition had gotten out. Hysteria spread throughout the territory of Assam as the population moved to protect themselves from Booroos.
0: It seemed the explorers had struck a primal chord. Was there something the locals knew that the two adventurers didn't? Had people throughout India dealt with gurus before?
1: In trying to find their lost creature, Izzard and Stoner ignited a wild storm of
0: panic. They had no idea how much things were about to escalate.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We'll be back Thursday with Part 2 of The Buru. Join us as we find out what became of Izard and Stoner and examine different possibilities as to the origins of the Buru legend.
0: For more information on the 1948 expedition, amongst the many sources we used, we found Rafe Izard's book, The Hunt for the Buru, extremely helpful to our research. You can find
1: all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify.
0: Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Unexplained Mysteries, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker.
1: To stream Unexplained Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar.
0: And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast, and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time.
1: See you next Thursday.
0: And remember, never take we don't know for an answer.
1: Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Joel Stein. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Freddie Beckley. This episode was written by Molly Quinlan and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner.